Chapter One of Raspberry Jam. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Raspberry Jam by Caroline Wells. The Great Hanlon. You may contradict me as flat as flounder, Eunice but that won't alter the facts there is something in telepathy there is something in mind reading if you could read my mind aunt abby you would drop that subject for if you keep on i may say what i think and-oh that won't bother me in the least i know what you think but your thoughts are so chaotic so ignorant of the whole matter that they are worthless. Now, listen to this from the paper. Hanlon will walk blindfolded, blindfolded, mind you, through the streets of Newark, and will find an article hidden by a representative of the free press. Of course, you know, Eunice, the newspaper people are on the square. Why? There'd be no sense to the whole thing otherwise. I saw an exhibition once. You were a little girl then. I remember you flew into such a rage because you couldn't go. Well, where was I? Let me see. Oh, yes, Hanlon. Hmm. Hmm. Why, my goodness, it's tomorrow. How I do want to go. Do you suppose Sanford would take us? I do not unless he loses his mind first aunt abby you're crazy what is the thing anyway some common street show if you'd listen eunice and pay a little attention you might know what i'm talking about but as soon as i say telepathy you begin to laugh and make fun of it all i haven't heard anything yet to make fun of what's it all about but as she spoke, Eunice Embry was moving about the room, the big living room of their Park Avenue apartment, and in a preoccupied way was patting her household gods on their shoulders, a readjustment of the pink carnations in a tall glass vase, a turning round of a long-stemmed rose in a silver holder, a punch here and there to the pillows of the Devonport, and at last dropping down on her desk chair as a hovering butterfly settles on a chosen flower. A moment more and she was engrossed in some letters, and Aunt Abby sighed resignedly, quite hopeless now of interesting her niece in her project. All the same, I am going she remarked nodding her head at the back of the graceful figure sitting at the desk newark isn't so far away i could go alone or maybe take maggie she'd love it start from the oberon theatre at two p m hmm i could have an early lunch and hidden in any part of the city only mentally directed not a word spoken just think of that eunice it doesn't seem credible that oh my goodness 
tomorrow is red cross day well i can't help it such a chance as this doesn't happen twice i wish i could coax sanford you can't murmured eunice without looking up from her writing then i will go alone aunt abby spoke with spirit and her bright black eyes snapped with determination as she nodded her white head you can't monopolize the will-power of the whole family eunice embry i don't want to but i can have a voice in the matters of my own house and family yes and guests i can't spare maggie to-morrow you well know sanford won't go on any such wild goose chase with you and i'm sure i won't you can't go alone and anyway the whole thing is posh and nonsense let me hear no more of it eunice picked up her pen but she cast a side-long glance at her aunt to see if she accepted the situation she did not miss abby ames was a lady of decision and she had one hobby for the pursuit of which she would attempt to overcome any obstacle you needn't hear any more of it eunice she said curtly i am not a child to be allowed out or kept at home i shall go to newark to-morrow to see this performance and i shall go alone and you will do nothing of the sort you'd look nice starting off alone on a railroad trip why i don't believe you've ever been to newark in your life nobody has it isn't done eunice was half whimsical half angry but her stormy eyes presage compact and her rising color indicated decided annoyance done cried her aunt conventions mean nothing to me abby ames makes social laws she does not obey those made by others you can't do that in new york aunt abby in your old boston perhaps you had a certain dictatorship but it won't do here moreover i have rights as your hostess and i forbid you to go skylarking about by yourself you amuse me eunice i had no intention of being funny i assure you well not distinctly humorous the idea of your forbidding me is well oh my gracious eunice listen to this the man chosen for hanlon's guide is the honorable james l mortimer hm high street why eunice i've heard of mortimer his i don't care who he is aunt abby and i wish you'd drop the subject i won't drop it it's too interesting oh my i wish we could go out there in the big car then we could follow him round hush go out to newark in the car trail round the streets and alleys after a fool mountebank with a horde of gamins and low horrid men crowding about they won't be allowed to crowd about and yelling i admit the yelling 
Aunt Abby, you're impossible. Eunice rose and scowled irately at her aunt. Her temper, always quick, was at times ungovernable, and was oftenest roused at the suggestion of any topic or proceeding that jarred on her taste. Exclusive to the point of absurdity, fastidious in all her ways, Mrs. Embry was, so far as possible, in the world, but not of it. Both she and her husband rejoiced in the smallness of their friendly circle, and shrank from any unnecessary association with Hoy Poloi, and Aunt Abby Ames, their not entirely welcome guest, was of a different nature, and possessed of another scale of standards. Secure in her New England aristocracy, calmly conscious of her innate refinement, she permitted herself any lapses from conventional laws that recommended themselves to her inclination, and it cannot be denied that the investigation of her pet subject, the satisfaction of her curiosity concerning occult matters, and her diligent inquiries into the mysterious of the supernatural did lead her into places and scenes not at all in harmony with Eunice's ideas of propriety. Not another word of that rubbish, auntie. The subject is taboo. And Eunice waved her hand with the air of one who dismisses a matter completely. Don't you think you can come any of your high and mighty airs on me? retorted the elder lady. It doesn't seem so very many years ago that I spanked you and shut you in the closet for impudence. The fact that you are now Mrs. Sanford Embry, instead of little Eunice Ames, hasn't changed my attitude toward you. Oh, auntie, you are too ridiculous! And Eunice laughed outright. But the tables are turned. And I am not only Mrs. Sanford Embry, but your hostess, and as such, entitled to your polite regard for my wishes. Tomfoolery talk, my dear. I'll give you all the polite regard you are entitled to, but I shall carry out my own wishes, even though they run contrary to yours. And tomorrow I prance out to Newark, New Jersey. Your orders, to the contrary, notwithstanding. The aristocratic old head went up, and the aristocratic old nose sniffed disdainfully, for though Eunice Embry was strong-willed, her aunt was equally so, and in a clash of opinions, Miss Ames not infrequently won out. Eunice didn't sulk that was not her nature she turned back to her writing desk with an offended air but with a smile as of one who tolerates the vagaries of an inferior this she knew would irritate her aunt more than further words could do and yet eunice embry was neither mean nor spiteful of disposition she had a furious temper, but she tried hard to control it, 
and when it did break loose the spasm was but of short duration and she was sorry for it afterward her husband declared he had tamed her and that since her marriage about two years ago his wise calm influence had curbed her tendency to fly into a rage and had made her far more equable and placid of disposition his methods had been drastic somewhat like those of petruchio toward catherine when his wife grew angry sanford Embry grew more so and by harder words and more scathing sarcasms he as he expressed it took the wind out of her sails and rendered her helplessly vanquished and yet they were a congenial pair their tastes were similar they liked the same people the same books the same plays eunice approved of sanford's correct ways and perfect intuitions and he admired her beauty and dainty grace neither of them loved aunt abby the sister of eunice's father but her annual visit was customary and unavoidable the city apartment of the sanfords had no guest room and therefore the visitor must needs occupy eunice's charming boudoir and dressing-room as a bedroom this inconvenienced the empress but they put up with it perforce nor would they have so disliked to entertain the old lady had it not been for her predilection for occult matters her visit to their home coincided with her course of clairvoyant sittings and her class of psychic development these took place at houses in undesirable sometimes unsavoury localities and only aunt abby's immovable determination made it possible for her to attend a large text-book the voice of the future was her inseparable companion and one of her chief though as yet unfulfilled desires was to have a reading given at the embury home by the swami ramananda eunice by dint of stern disapproval and sanford by his good-natured chaffing and ridicule had so far prevented this calamity but both feared that aunt abby might yet outwit them and have her coveted science after all outside of this phase of her character miss ames was not an undesirable guest she had a good sense of humour a kind and generous heart and was both perceptive and responsive in matters of household interest owing to the early death of eunice's mother aunt abby had brought up the child and had done her duty by her as she saw it it was after eunice had married that miss ames became interested in mystics and with a few of her friends in boston 
had formed a circle for the pursuance of the cult her life had otherwise been empty indeed for the girl had given her occupation a plenty and that removed miss abby felt a vague want of interest eunice ames had not been easy to manage nor was miss abby ames the best one to be her manager the girl was headstrong and wilful yet possessed of such winsome persuasive wiles that she twisted her aunt round her finger then too her quick temper served as a rod and many times miss ames indulged the girl against her better judgment lest an unpleasant explosion of wrath should occur and shake her nervous system to its foundation so eunice grew up an uncurved untamed self-willed and self-reliant girl making up her quarrels as fast as she picked them and winning friends everywhere in spite of her sharp tongue and so on this occasion neither of the competents held rancor more than a few minutes eunice went on writing letters and miss abby went on reading her paper until at five o'clock ferdinand the butler brought in the tea things goody cried eunice jumping up i do want some tea don't you auntie yes and miss ames crossed the room to sit beside her and i've an idea eunice i'll take ferdinand with me to-morrow the butler who was also embrace valet and a general household steward looked up quickly he had been in miss ames employ for many years before eunice's marriage and now in the embrace city home was the indispensable major-domo of the establishment yes went on aunt abby that will make it all quite circumspect and correct fernand to-morrow you accompany me to newark new jersey i think not said eunice quietly and dismissing ferdinand with a nod she began serenely to make the tea don't be silly aunt abby she said you can't go that way it would be all right to go with ferdinand of course but what could you do when you reach newark race about on foot following up this clown or whoever is performing we could take a taxicab you might get one and you might not now you will wait till san comes home and see if he'll let you have the big car will you go then eunice no of course not i don't go to such fool shows there's the door sanford's coming a step was heard in the hall a cheery voice spoke to ferdinand as he took his master's coat and hat and then a big man entered the living room hello girls he said gaily how's things 
he kissed eunice shook aunt abby's hand and dropped into an easy chair things are whizzing he said as he took the cup eunice poured for him i've just come from the club and our outlook is rosy posy old hendrix is going to get badly left it's all safe for you then is it and eunice smiled radiantly at her husband right as rain the prize fights did it they upset old hendrick's apple cart and spilled his beans lots of them object to the fights because of the expense fighters are a high-priced bunch but i'm down on them because i think it bad form i should say so put in eunice emphatically bad form for an athletic club of gentlemen to have brutal exhibitions for their entertainment and what about the motion picture theatre the same there frightful expense and also rotten taste no the metropolitan athletic club can't stoop to such entertainments if it were a worth while little playhouse now and if they had a high class of performances that would be another story hey aunt abby what do you think i don't know sanford you know i'm ignorant on such matters but i want to ask you something have you read the paper today why yes being a normal american citizen i did run through the battle acts of freedom why did you read about hanlon the great hanlon musician statesman or criminal i can't seem to place a really great hanlon by the way eunice if hendrix blows in ask him to stay to dinner will you i want to talk to him but i don't want to seem unduly anxious for his company very well and eunice smiled if i can persuade him i will if you can exclaimed miss abby her sarcasm entirely unveiled olverd hendrix would walk the plank if you invited him to do so who wouldn't laughed embry i have the same confidence in my wife's powers of persuasion that you seem to have aunt abby and though i may impose on her i do want her to use them upon me deadly rival you mean rival in your club election returned miss ames but he is also your rival in another way don't speak so cryptically aunt dear we all know of his infatuation for eunice but he's only one of many think you he is more dangerous than say friend elliot mason elliot oh of course he has been an admirer of eunice since they made mud pies together that too then embry laughed lightly and jim craft is three 
and Halliwell James is four, and Guy Little. Oh, don't include him, I beg of you, cried Eunice. He flats when he sings. Well, I could round up a round dozen who would willingly cast sheep's eyes at my wife, but, well, they don't. They'd better not, laughed Eunice, and Embry added, not if I see them first. Isn't it funny, said Aunt Abby reminiscently, that Eunice did choose you out of that Cambridge bunch? I chose her, corrected Embry, and don't take that wrong. I mean that I swooped down and carried her off under their very noses. Didn't I, Firebrand? The only way you could get me, agreed Eunice saucily. Oh, I don't know. And Embry smiled. You weren't so desperately opposed. No, but she was undecided, said Aunt Abby. Why, for weeks before your engagement was announced, Eunice couldn't make up her mind for certain. There was Mason Elliot and L. Hendricks, both as determined as you were. I know it, Aunt. Good Lord, I guess I knew those boys all my life, and I knew all their love affairs as well as they knew all mine. You had others then? And Eunice opened her brown eyes in mock amazement. Rather, how could I know you were the dearest girl in the world if I had no one to compare you with? Well, then I had a right to have other beau. Of course you did. I never objected. But now you are my wife, and though all the men in Christendom may admire you, you are not to give one of them a glance that belongs to me. No, sir, I won't. And Eunice's long lashes dropped on her cheeks as she assumed an absurdly overdone meekness. I was surprised, though, pursued Aunt Abby, still reminiscent. When Eunice married you, Sanford, Mr. Mason is so much more intellectual and Mr. Hendricks so much better looking. Thank you, lady. And Embry bowed gravely. But you see, I have that, er, indescribable charm that nobody can resist. You have, you rascal. And Miss Ames beamed on him. And I think this is a favorable moment to ask a favor of your royal highness. Out with it, I'll grant it to the half of my kingdom, but don't dip into the other half. Well, it's a simple little favor after all. I want to go out to Newark tomorrow in the big car. Newark, New Jersey? Is there any other? Yup, Ohio. Well, the New Jersey one will do me this time. Oh, Sanford, do let me go. A man is going to will another man, blindfolded, you know. 
to find a thing on bob that he hid nobody knows where and he can't see a thing and he doesn't know anybody and the guide man is mr mortimer don't you remember his mother used to live in cambridge she was an emmons well anyway it's the most marvellous exhibition of thought transference or mind reading that has ever been shown and i must go do let me please sanford my lord aunt abby you've got me all mixed up i remember the mortimer boy but what's he doing blindfolded no it's the hanlon man who's blindfolded and i can go with ferdinand and go with ferdinand is it a servant's ball or what no no oh if you'd only listen sanford well i will in a minute aunt abby but wait till i tell eunice something you see dear if hendrix does show up i can pump him judiciously and find out where the meredith brothers stand then all right san i'll see that he stays now do settle aunt abby on this crazy scheme of hers she doesn't want to go to newark at all i do i do cried the old lady between you and me eunice i believe she does want to go and embry chuckled where's the paper aunt let me see what's it all about a fair test he read aloud positive evidence for or against the theory of thought transference the mysterious handling to perform a seeming miracle sponsored by the editor of the newark free press assisted by the prominent citizen james l mortimer done in broad daylight in the sight of crowds of people tomorrow's performance will be a revelation to doubters or a triumph indeed for those who believe in telepathy hmm hmm but what's he going to do read on read on sanford cried aunt abby excitedly starting from the oberon theatre at two o'clock hanlon will undertake to find a pen-knife previously hidden in a distant part of the city its whereabouts known only to the editor of the free press and to mr mortimer hanlon is to be blindfolded by a committee of citizens and is to be followed not preceded by mr mortimer who is to will hanlon in the right direction and to guide him merely by mental will power there is to be no word spoken between these two men no personal contact and no possibility of a confederate or trickery of any sort mr mortimer is not a psychic indeed he is not a student of the occult or even a believer in telepathy but he has promised to obey the conditions laid down for him these are merely and only that he is to follow hanlon 
keeping a few steps behind him and mentally will the blindfolded man to go in the right direction to find the hidden knife isn't it wonderful sanford breathed miss abby her eyes shining with the delight of the mystery poppycock and embry smiled at her as a gullible child you don't mean to say aunt that you believe there is no trickery about this but how can there be you know sanford it's easy enough to say poppycock and fiddle dee dee and gammon and spinach but just tell me how it's done how it can be done by trickery suggest a means however complicated or difficult oh of course i can't i am no charlatan or presidigator but you know as well as i do that the thing is a trick i don't and anyway that isn't the point i want to go to see it i'm not asking your opinion of the performance i'm asking you to let me go may i no indeed why aunt abby it will be a terrible crowd a horde of ragamuffins and raffians you'd be torn to pieces but i want to sanford and the old lady was on the verge of tears i want to see hanlon hanlon who wants to see hanlon the expected hendricks came into the room and shaking hands as he talked he repeated his question who wants to see hanlon because i do and i will take anyone here who is interested oh you angel man exclaimed aunt abby her face beaming i want to go will you really take me all of it sure i will anybody else you want to see it eunice why i didn't but as sanford just read it it sounded interesting how would we go i'll run you out in my touring car it won't take more in the afternoon and it will be a jolly picnic go along san no not on your life when did you go foolish olvid oh i always had a notion to wear that sort of thing i want to see how he does it don't think i fall for the telepathy gag but i want to see where the little joker is and then too i'm glad to please the ladies i'll go said eunice that is if you'll stay and dine now and we can talk it over and plan the trip with all the pleasure in life returned hendrix End of chapter 1